0: So many times, but I just don't know if it ever changes for, for most of us, right? We can say Jesus is the reason for the season. We can say that Christmas is about this, it's not about that. Uh, but so many times, I feel like that it, as hard as we try, as much as we say it, it seems like it always kind of slips into what we say it's not. And so um, while we get some time off, some of us do, um, I think a lot of people do, it's not about time off. Uh, you know, people think, well, I'm looking forward to Christmas break. It's not about that. Now, while we get together with family, and, and again, I believe that's part of the equation. I believe that's an important part. Uh, it, that's not what, about, what Christmas is about. Uh, while we give and we get, get gifts, I think that's also part of the equation, not necessarily uh, what we think of as far as getting and giving gifts. Um, but that's not what Christmas is as well. And so I, I want to make sure that we don't miss the moment. Uh, We are, you know, doing this study on the end and we're talking about uh, what things look like and and these these truths about the end times. And I I think this year in 2022, it's important for us to not miss the moment, uh, especially as we're entering into this Christmas season and what we should be celebrating. And of course, what is not necessarily uh, as potent or, or as pertinent as who we're celebrating. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. I think we should celebrate, of course, Christ every day. All season, every season, should be a celebration of his coming to this earth to die for our sins. But this season, we set it aside, this season is very important. It's not for Santa and gifts. It's not for decoration and lights. It's for Jesus. He's the center around which everything we do all year long, and especially at Christmas, should revolve around. He is it. He should be the focus. Time with him, time with his people, worship, celebration. That's what Christmas should be about. Christmas is Christ's time. Many of you know how we get the name Christmas. Um, I'll give you a little bit of history. Uh, It comes from Christ's Mass. Um, You might not have known that, but that's where the word comes from. Christmas is traditionally celebrated, as we know, uh, in the West on December 25th. Uh, This date was likely determined by the mid to late fourth century. Uh, Some groups followed the older Julian calendar and they observed the holiday on December 25th of that calendar, which also corresponds with January 7th of the Gregorian calendar. By the late fourth century, history tells us that Christians had started to surface, uh, Christmas, I'm sorry, had started to surface as a holiday in its own right, even though its early stages it was probably more of a prelude to the more established celebration of Epiphany. Some of you know what Epiphany is, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But these holidays remain linked in both Eastern and Western traditions with the Christmas season still ushering in Epiphany. Beginning in the ninth century, however, possibly as a result of the coronation of Emperor Charlemagne on Christmas day in AD 800, Celebration of Christmas became a more prominent and distinguished and more public affair in the West. Much of what has today become common Christmas imagery, like Santa Claus and Christmas trees and decorations like that, originated in the early modern era, with some traditions emerging as late as the 19th century. Here's a fun fact, again about Epiphany. It's a festival that originated in the Eastern Church where it at first included a commemoration of Christ's birth. In Rome, though, by 354, Christ's birth was being celebrated on December 35th. Later, in the 4th century, when uh, the church in Rome began celebrating Epiphany on January 6th, it was in the Western Church that the festival, primarily commemorating the visit by the Magi to the infant Jesus, which is seen as evidence that Christ, the Jewish Messiah, came also for the salvation of the Gentiles. And it was in the East that it primarily commemorates the baptism of Jesus and celebrates the revelation that the incarnate Christ was both fully God and fully man. Now back in the West, the evening preceding Epiphany, here's the fun fact, is called the Twelfth Night. The time between December 25th and January 6th is known as the Twelve Days of Christmas. Let's all sing the song. No. (laughs) I know about turtle doves, that's about it, but Epiphany is celebrated with special pastries in many countries. Children often receive small gifts in their shoes in honor of the Magi's gift to the infant Jesus. Now many, and we know, contend that Christmas is a pagan holiday, right? At worst, and that it's Catholic in its origin uh, or or state-run church at its best. And so there's a lot of people who are Followers of Christ who say we don't even celebrate Christmas because of these reasons. However, I think it's important to understand what Christmas is now. Why we do anything and what we should be doing. So first of all, the pagan origins of Christmas are far from certain. I know some people say, no, I have read this and I know that. But listen, the winter solstice, which is often tied to Christmas or with Christmas, never falls on December 25th. Likewise, Saturnalia, which has also been proposed as the origin of Christmas, was never celebrated on December 25th as well. It was celebrated from December 17th through December 24th. Other Christmas symbols such as trees and candles may have some pagan connotations, but these are so common in the human experience that it can hardly be claimed that their use was ever exclusive to paganism. And some people contend and argue about that. They said, no, the Christmas tree was only for this and that's why it was brought into Christmas. But listen, Go with me on this. The second thing is this. The meaning of any word, the meaning of any symbol or custom is determined by the current usage, not the origin every time. Many words and practices have departed from their origins and no longer mean anything close to what they once did. You say, what are you talking about? Here's here's a good example. Some people don't know this, but the swastika has been around for thousands of years. And it was a symbol of good fortune. It was therefore reasonable for the Nazi party to take this as their symbol as they emphasized that they were the party to bring good times back to Germany. Of course, we know what happened there. It was going to be through these hard times after World War I, but it would be absolute foolishness for a person to decorate his or her home today with swastikas based on the real meaning or what the meaning turned into. The swastika has been so thoroughly identified with the horrors of the Holocaust that in current culture, it's a symbol for antisemitism, and, of course, all things evil. So the original meaning of the symbol is completely irrelevant. At the time of Christ, Roman culture already celebrated a holiday in December. Saturnalia honored the god Saturn. And it was celebrated from December 17th, as I said, through December 24th. Later, the Romans began celebrating Sol Evictus, or the unconquered sun, associated with winter solstice, and observed on December 25th. When Rome eventually instituted Christianity as the state religion in the 4th century, the Roman church converted Saturnalia and Sol Evictus to a Christian holiday, which was the Feast of the Nativity. In order to commemorate Jesus' birth, thus providing a spiritual positive alternative to the pagan celebration that was going on, the sinful customs, the debauchery associated with Saturnalia, were if you will, cleaned up. And some of the customs were absorbed into the celebration of Christmas at the time. So what we see is essentially Christians throughout the ages have, if you will, redeemed December 25th and celebrated it as the birth of Christ ever since about the fourth century. So we say, why do we do that around Christmas, especially if if Christ wasn't born on December 25th, why we do that? Again, uh, it's what the church, early church, and even what would eventually, eventually be the, the, the state church, the Catholic church, uh, took something and through the ages, specifically in the West, we've said, you know what, we're going to just mark this time, this, this season, and specifically this day when we're going to celebrate the coming of, of our Lord to this earth. Now, given the associated or association uh, Christmas had with the ancient pagan calendar, uh, the question then becomes this since Christmas shares a date or a time with a pagan holiday, is it acceptable for Christians to celebrate it? I think it's important to note that all three of these, Christmas, Saturnalia, and Sol Evictus, were all distinct holidays. They were never identical to each other. The commentator says that although some elements of Christmas celebrations, like bells, candles, holly, and Yule decorations are mentioned in the history of pagan worship. The use of such items in one's home in no way indicates a return to paganism. It doesn't mean that you're celebrating a pagan god. Christians simply celebrate Christmas to remember the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, what we understand in many things in our world today that we do and observe is similar to Christmas, that celebrating Christmas is a matter of conscience. Romans chapter 14 uh, verse 5 says that if somebody regards one day over another, uh, not to judge them. Regardless of what the Christmas symbols may once have meant, their use today needs to be evaluated on the basis of what they actually mean today. So to automatically associate lighting candles or lights or or whatever, decorated trees with pagan worship is, is pretty unwarranted unless somebody's roots in celebrating that still exist if there's unbiblical practices in our christmas celebration absolutely that should be forsaken and i think that's where we have to evaluate what are we doing at christmas time are we teaching our kids to idolize gifts are we teaching our kids are we teaching others that that christmas is 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 just a a cloak uh, it's cloaked with this celebration when it actually at the root is about things that are about idolatry and about temporal things That's that's what we really have to evaluate. So, when we think of Christmas today, what should resonate? Well, what should be the the things as as followers of Christ who say we celebrate our Lord's birth at Christmas and then we actually practice something else altogether? And so the world looks on and says, well, Christians say they they are excited about Christmas because they're celebrating Jesus' birth, but actually their lives and what they do at Christmas looks exactly like what we do. What should resonate? When we celebrate, what should come to mind? What should be filling our thoughts, our minds, our our everything during this time? So from this week, today, until Christmas morning, when we gather and celebrate the Lord Jesus on that day, which, by the way, this only happens every few years, right? Every, what, six or seven years? We actually are having Christmas Day on the day that we gather as the people of God to worship. Uh, I hope that we're not gathering to, to, to worship presents, but that we gather to worship the King. Because it's supposed to be supposed to be about him. Remember, it's not about idolatry and things like that or material things. So again, all those things are nice and all those things are, 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 are neat to be a part of it. But man, on Christmas Day, what an amazing opportunity to gather as the children of God to worship him in celebration of the fact that he loved us to come to this earth and die for us. I hope that you're here. When we look at all these things, what should resonate, what should come to mind, why why we do what we do. I believe that Christmas should teach us a few things, and it should remind us of of, of a few things. The first thing I think that it should teach us and remind us of, when we come to this time of year and we celebrate our Lord's birth, one of the first things I think that should fill our hearts, fill our minds, and should exude in our lives is joy. And so the first message this morning is on joy. Luke chapter 2 verse 1, now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for this census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was uh, was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in, in, in cloths laid him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, this is what he says. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born, to you, born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You can imagine under Roman rule, a tax, a census, That it was dark days that the Jews were living in. You can imagine that it wasn't ideal uh, to know that these these governors and these kings, and and we know that we'll eventually talk about what Herod did. Many of you already know what what Herod did when he found out that um, Jesus, the Messiah, was born. But the Messiah at this time was thought to deliver, right? This is what their mindset was. As was have seen before the Jews thought it wasn't just to, to deliver them from their sins. They thought that he was coming to deliver them from Roman rule. So again, they were living in this time. And, and, and you and I, Kent, I don't, I don't think we can necessarily associate with what it would be like to be under Roman rule. Maybe it's a little like that now. I'm, I'm sorry. But um, they, they, uh, there is, there's this idea uh, that they were completely oppressed and they were looking for the Messiah to deliver them. They, we know, of course, even the disciples of Jesus himself would be confused on this point. So maybe even their perspective was off a little, maybe not. But regardless, their circumstance was begging for good news. The the, the circumstance that that these shepherds were sitting in in their fields and and, and they were living in, they they were begging for good news. They needed something to come along and say, hey, guess what? You have reason to celebrate. Again, their condition as a nation was desperate for encouragement. We can maybe associate a little bit. But God not only delivered the good news, which is the gospel, which is what the angel said, the the Greek word is, that's the, the word for good news, gospel. But they said they were bringing good news that produced great joy. That would be for all people. That's the good news. That's what happens when the good good news is received, what it brings. The shepherds could have rejected the good news. They could have said, listen, we know that you're the angel of the Lord. We know that you're telling us these things, but we don't really have time for it. We've got other things to tend to. We've got our sheep. We've got our fields. We've got our business. We've got all these things to do. They could have rejected the good news and not experienced the great joy that was associated with it. Others who heard could have. And we know, again, they did. Those who rejected the good news would have and did miss the great joy that was associated with it. It's the same exact thing that happens today. There are people that hear the good news, they, 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 they like what it sounds like, but they don't receive it. And so they miss the great joy that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever would trust in, trust in Him would not suffer eternally in the lake of fire, but have eternal life. Point number one is this, that joy is the product of the gospel. Those shepherds that, that day when, when the angel came and proclaimed the good news that the Messiah had come, they received that good news and it produced great joy in their life. And that's exactly what the gospel still does today. The difference is whether, as I said a while ago, someone receives it or not. Not only did they receive it joyfully, they say, well, I, I, I heard the gospel. I know somebody who heard the gospel, but today they're not following Jesus. Listen, there's a difference between hearing and, 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 and responding joyfully to the gospel and hearing and truly receiving the gospel. So how do how do you know if someone's done that? How do you know if someone's heard the gospel and and, and has truly received it? it is, is joy one of those things? Absolutely. Joy, the joy of the Lord is absolutely one. Of the products that comes from truly receiving the gospel. Because the Bible tells us that if we truly receive the gospel. That there's fruit that's demonstrated in our life. Luke chapter 8 says this. In verse 4. When a large crowd was coming together. And those from the various cities were journeying with him. He spoke by way of a parable. He said that the sower went went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed some fell beside the road. And it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air ate it up. The other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. The other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. The other seed fell among good soil, and it grew up and produced, there it is, produced a crop a hundred times as great. And he said these things, he, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The Bible says the disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand, as the prophet said. He explained, this is the parable, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard, then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their hearts, so they will not believe and be saved. Those on a rocky soil are those that when they hear, listen to what it says, They receive the word with joy. That's good news. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Hey, I would like to just pray that prayer. But They have no firm root. They believe for a while and in time temptation. And in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among thorns were the ones that have heard. And as they go on their way, they're choked out with the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life. They bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. They truly receive it. The the word honest, sincere, truly. They they, they heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast, and here it is, and bear fruit with perseverance. Saving faith is enduring faith. It... Like the joy of the Lord doesn't rise or fall with circumstance. It abides. Again, true faith, when the gospel is truly received, it produces these things. And, and again, it, it, it abides. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it said, again, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Isaiah 12, verse 6, Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace, and here it is, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, very familiar scripture. But the fruit, here it is, what the gospel produces, the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one named? Joy. Joy joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God, translate, uh, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people... This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. He said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. John chapter 17 and Jesus's prayer to the Father for us he said this in verse 13 that, but now I come to you Father, these things I speak in the world so that they us the followers of Christ may have joy my joy listen to that again so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. So when we truly receive the good news when someone, truly receives it in that honest that sincere that that ready and welcoming heart when it's truly accepted like the shepherds and like mary we receive the joy of the lord and the bible says it is great joy it's abiding joy it's joy that gives strength because it's god's joy it's unhindered by outside influence if we allow it i'm going to say that again the joy of the lord is unhindered by outside influence, if we allow it. We can decide to listen to the sway of our flesh. We can allow our emotions, as I've preached before, to have a fleshly response or a spiritual response. Therefore, we can walk every day in the joy of the Lord, regardless of what emotion we're feeling. Every day as a child of God, because of what he has given us in receiving the gospel every single day you and I can walk in the joy of the Lord regardless of how we feel through various experiences and circumstances no matter what happens to us we can still abide and still live and still experience the joy of the Lord Psalm chapter 30 verse 5 for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime weeping may tarry for the night we're gonna have emotions but joy comes with the morning. This joy, and please hear me, this joy that is his joy, my joy, he said, Jesus said, this joy and our sense of it. That's key. The joy's there. If you're a child of God, the joy of the Lord is yours. It's it's in you. It's it's there within you. But here's, here's where we get off. It's our sense of it. And not only our sense of the joy of the Lord, our, our perception of the joy of the Lord, our our recognition that the joy of the Lord is in us, but it's our reliance on it that can be missed. You see, we we can we can go throughout our days and we can experience something negative at at our job. We can turn around and come home and have a ne- negative experience, and and all these experiences and all these things that happen to us, all these circumstances that we go through, produce emotions, right? And and so we feel angry, we feel frustrated, we feel disappointed, we feel afraid like the, like the shepherds did we, we feel all these emotions and those emotions as i said can be can be filtered through the flesh or filtered through the spirit and that comes out in the way that we we act we treat each other our attitudes our actions our speech all those things can, but but what what is the difference between someone who's allowing the joy of the lord to trump everything that we feel because every circumstance we go through has an effect on us what's what's the difference i believe it is our sense of the joy of the Lord in us, and then our reliance on it. It's there. God doesn't just, like, give us his joy when things are good and then take his joy away when things are bad. Matter of fact, I believe that sometimes in the darkest of days, through the most difficult, difficult of times, through the greatest of trials, one of the things that makes Christians distinct from the world is this, that we can have the joy of the Lord carrying us as strength, regardless of how we feel regardless of what we have or don't have that's why some of you have had those the testimony somebody comes up to you man you just lost your loved one how are you smiling because i have the joy of the lord how how are you how are you still able to uh, to sing songs during this time i mean you you just experienced such great tragedy in your life because It's God's joy. I have no other explanation. I have a sense of it, and I'm relying on the joy of the Lord. The joy is there. Again, God doesn't take it away and give it at various times. Please hear me. This is so important, especially this time of year, right? Because a lot of people can be facing a lot of difficult things, difficult emotions and and feelings, circumstances again we we, we had man what, what what a recent uh last few weeks brother christian had to say goodbye to his dad brother jason had to say goodbye to his mom many of you know we we lost and heaven gained that's a a, fr- a personal friend of mine Michelle, our family our church our school barbie Stanislawski. How, how, can, how can someone go through these days and, and celebrate Christmas when so much, you know, hurt and loss and sorrow, and, and some of you in this room have lost great people in your lives, spouses, kids, parents, you know, brothers, sisters, uh, loved ones. You, you've, you've gone through that great loss, and, and sometimes the holidays can be some of the darkest times, but I'm telling you, it's something that you and I can have during this season that only comes from the Lord, and that's the joy of the Lord. how can you do it sense it rely on it a lot of times we're just not in tune with it and because we're not in tune with the joy of the lord we're not relying on it we're not abiding in the joy of the lord and therefore we're not operating in the joy of the lord so yeah but this is what my kids are going through listen you can still have the joy of the lord It doesn't mean that you ignore the circumstances or you ignore the real emotions that you're feeling because that's what circumstances do to us. They affect our emotions. We're talking about a fruit of the Spirit that abides. This all leads to our second point. First, again, the good news, when truly received produces joy, the joy of the Lord. Not the joy that the world gives, but the joy of the Lord. But number two, this joy does supersede all emotions it, it supersedes all emotions it can and it should you say about all i feel right now all i can see right now is heaviness all i know in my life right now is hurt and darkness and loss and disappointment and frustration and worry and anxiety and and fear and, and i have all these things and that's all it's all i have right now Remember, the shepherds felt great fear. That's emotion. It says they were terribly afraid. Again, I've shared this before in messages that I've preached. I've never had the angel of the Lord. I've never had an angel at all, you know, shine its, its brilliant light from the glory of God, being in the presence of God around me, and speak with an angelic voice. I've never had that before, but I'm pretty sure I would be terribly afraid as well. You know, I, I don't know what that is like, but these guys were there on a probably a, a beautiful Uh, night there on that hillside and and maybe they were looking at the stars and laying back and and just listening to make sure there weren't any predators around and and who knows what they were doing regardless in that in the still of the night the angel of the lord shows up and tells them look i've got some good news for you that produces great joy and they were afraid at what what they were seeing and experiencing but their response to the gospel the good news changed what they did. They could have withered away in fear, right? They could have cowered away. They could have said, oh, I don't, well, run, run, run. You know, they could have done so many different things, but they, they listened to the good news and it affected what they did. Because that, that joy that came from receiving the good news, it superseded every other emotion they had well we got to go into town i mean i mean he's telling us we're going to see the star I and mean, i mean they could have wondered they could have anxiety they could have had fear they could have all these emotions but the good news that produced great joy that, because they received it truly changed what they did it superseded all their emotions and they did experience great joy the bible again says do not be afraid in luke 2 i bring you good news of great joy verse 19 we know that mary was a little confused maybe wondering how all these things she said that how can these things be because i've never known a man there, there were there were a lot of questions that she had of course this was at the end of the the term but she faced uncertain uh, thoughts and feelings she had anxiety so did joseph i'm going to put her away privately i don't want to embarrass her i don't want to be made a you know my name to be ruined from here on out but in verse 19 we know after jesus is born that she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart I know fear and anxiety are real emotions. I know that some people struggle with them more than others. They're real. But fear and anxiety, and any other emotion for that matter, they don't have to and they shouldn't dominate our life. They're there, we we have them, we have to live with them. We have to learn how to manage them. But I, I believe this is one of the keys. Again, fear is an emotion. It, it's, it's real. But we all have to realize and accept the fact that most of the time, emotions, if not all the time, are moved by circumstances. I mean, you, you can, I mean, just in the simplest of things, right? I'll give you something that's, that I can relate to. I like coffee. And there have been times recently that me and Rochelle have gone to get a cup of coffee and spent the money on a coffee that was bad. (laughs) Gross. Right? And the first trash can we walked by, we dropped it in. Right? That's just wasting money. You should have drink it. Listen, it was not good. And I felt disappointed. I felt down i felt like well that was a waste of money i don't like that this is not good you know hopefully we can guess what we did we went to another coffee shop and had good coffee and you know what it turned it all around (laughs) those emotions changed with just the simplest of circumstances right emotions are moved by our circumstance happiness is different from joy a lot of people don't understand that i can't distinguish that and people say these things like this, well, I just want to be happy, right? You're going through circumstances in your relationship. You're going through difficulty at your job. Whatever the thing is, it's the circumstances that are, that are pressing in on you, and you say things like that, I just want to be happy. I just want my circumstances to change so I can feel the emotion of happiness. That's what, I mean, if we alliterated it like that, well, I think we might be a little more honest with ourselves, right? I just want things to change so I can be happy, so I can feel better about my circumstances. But happiness depends on happenstance. Emotions are dependent upon circumstance, and specifically happiness is dependent upon happenstance. Is that? It's what does or doesn't happen to you what's happening to me what happened to me what is going to happen to me happiness depends on happenstance but joy abides because it's from the lord and it's our strength now these receive the good news about the messiah again the shepherds mary and it produced what god sent the angels to tell that it would produce of course that's great joy i don't know if you've ever experienced that before Uh, I know I have. Uh, I know many of you have shared with me, and I've seen it in your life. Again, things that I I mentioned, the loss of a loved one, somebody so near and dear to you, and yet you're still here, and you're still singing, maybe with tears in your eyes because your emotions are real, but you're singing with joy in your heart to the Lord and praising Him, even in the midst of great loss. There's been other experiences where I've seen and experienced and seen people feeling the joy and expressing the joy of the Lord. Even though their emotions, their, their circumstances, their, 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 the happenstance in their life is all affecting their emotions. They still have the joy of the Lord. See, there can be joy when there's closed doors. You say, man, I've been waiting for this door to open. I've been waiting for this to change. I've been waiting for this to be different in my life but you can still have the joy of the Lord when there's still closed doors. You can still have joy when there's dark skies. And every day you get up, and every day you leave your house, you feel like you're walking into the darkness. you're, You're depressed, you're down, you're discouraged, or whatever. You're feeling lonely and alone, whatever the case may be. All these feelings are in your life, but you can still have joy when there's dark skies. It's still real. You can have joy when there's threats, right? There were threats, and there would be direct threats to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. There's threats in our world today, right? There's threats. uh, We were sitting on the couch the other night. I think the girls were at Friday Night Live, and I was reading an article, and it just kind of sunk. My my heart just kind of sunk. I I mentioned something recently in in one of our services. It was like this Freedom of Marriage Act or something uh, that that was uh, before the Senate. And, and supposedly it, it got passed. Now it's got to go back to the House and stuff like that. But, and some people say, oh, I don't even know what's going on with that. Well, I explained a little bit about what that is. There's a threat to religious liberty in it. A serious threat. Some people don't know what that is. And so there were some conservative senators who tried to write in some, um, some amendments or their, their, uh, their, their uh, comments or their, uh, yeah, I guess amendments to the, to the bill so that it would go overboard in protecting the religious rights of organizations and individuals in the past. I hadn't read today, but I think as early as this week, the House may vote on it. We live in a country where, as I've said even from this pulpit, that it may start becoming a little more hostile against Christians. We've never experienced that before. We don't know what that looks like. And I've said this before, I believe that it'll come legislatively first. But even if those threats come, hey, Trinity Baptist, we're going to take your 501c3 away if you don't stop saying that it's a sin for a man and a man to be married. Take it away. Burn it. I don't even care. We're not going to stop preaching the truth. Hey, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't stop saying this in scripture guess what then that's going to happen to us because we have a calling that's higher than anything in this world and and i take i take this very seriously i'm going to stand before almighty god one day for what i said that, that to people and i take that extremely seriously so i will preach this until my dying day literally but this, this is something that we have to understand, that joy still exists when there's threats. I've mentioned reading the, the, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you've never read that, you should read that before. There are men and women who have literally been tied, after they've been beaten, after they've been thrown in with beasts, they've been tied to stakes in the middle of arena with, foot, with, with wood all around them, and they were, they were told to, to, to recant their faith in Jesus. And if they didn't, they were going to burn by fire. And they didn't recant their faith in Jesus and they, 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 there on that stake were encouraging other believers to hold fast to their faith and they would sing songs to the Lord while they were being burned alive. How? The joy of the Lord that exists regardless of what's happening to us. Joy when you don't know what the day looks like ahead. Joy when the sickness is still there and will not go away joy in every trial joy in the lord is real acts 5 41 they when they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name we went through this when we studied the church they were told don't don't do this quit preaching the name of jesus and they said that we'd rather suffer should we listen to man or god James chapter one, you know the verse. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Philippians four four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not when you're happy. Not when circumstances are good. Not when you got enough money to buy presents. Not when you got enough money to pay bills. Not when gas is low. Rejoice in the Lord always. When 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 they're threatening you. When 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 things look bad. When you have no money. When you can't do the things you want to do. When they, when the sickness still remains. Rejoice in the Lord always. But it all does go back to this how you receive the good news. Truly received is the mandate, is the requirement to have the great joy. Are you missing the joy of the Lord in your life today? It's either, number one, because you didn't truly receive the gospel, or number two, you're focusing on your circumstances. You're focusing on what's happening to you. Therefore, you're relying on your emotions every day, in your marriage, at your job, with your health. You're relying on outside circumstances versus a gift that God has given to you that abides, that exists, that is accessible every single day regardless of what you're going through. But we've got to choose it. Back in Nehemiah and I'm almost done. You, you saw that they were weeping because they heard God's word read. In this, the joy of the Lord, and more specifically, our perception, our sense, and our focus on this joy becomes heightened with the word of God. See, oftentimes I believe the the real difference between the true believer who gets through anguish and trial with real raw emotions you just lost your loved one and you're, you're broken you're, you're hurt those are real emotions you you, you have that your, your your job was just lost and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills you're, you're a little worried you, those are real emotions the difference between the true believer who has those things and yet is carried by the joy of the lord and the true believer who seems to cave under the weight of trial who seems to, to cave under the weight of their sorrow? Who seems to cave under the weight of their worry? Who seems to cave under the weight of the emotions that come through their circumstances? The difference between those two, I believe, is whether you're being fully immersed in the Word of God or not. Hey, if you're a believer here this morning, you're saying, man, I'm struggling with my circumstances, and I, don't, I feel like the joy of the Lord is something that I randomly experience, if ever. What were the shepherds responding to? And what was Mary responding to? God's word. that's That's what they responded to. The word from God. God's word received and abiding and activated. The Bible says Mary pondered these things. The word and the works of God. Let me ask you again. Christian are you struggling with emotions are you struggling with feelings and and are they getting the victory in your life instead of the joy of the Lord are you worried about what's going to happen tomorrow versus resting in the Lord and experiencing his joy I'm challenging you this morning ponder the word and the works of the Lord this Christmas we have an opportunity In spite of the darkness, in spite of the struggle, in spite of the trials that many of us are going through, the loss, we have an opportunity to remember the joy of the Lord. To remember that Christmas teaches us that no matter how bad the world is, no matter how much oppression is in our life, no matter how dark our circumstance or uncertain our future is, like Mary's and Joseph's was, We can remember that Christmas is Christ. The gospel received gives us joy that supersedes all. So the parent question is this. Have you truly received the gospel? I'm not saying have you prayed a prayer. I'm not saying if, do you show up for church every week. I'm not saying that do you, do you believe what the gospel is. I'm saying have you truly received it and therefore the fruit of the Spirit exists in your life. Because that's the truth the spirit will produce fruit through our sincere obedience and fellowship with the lord and if you have if you've received that if you're a child of god sitting in a seat this morning you know without a doubt that you have received the gospel with with with, with sincerity that the spirit of the lord lives in you and the fruit of the spirit is there then the question is this are you on a daily basis immersing yourself in the word of God. Are you pondering the word and the works of God so that the joy of the Lord supersedes every emotion? I'm not asking if you're reading a devotion. I'm not asking you if you're reading the verse of the day. I'm not asking you if you're doing your token Bible study. I'm saying, are you spending time abiding in the Lord's word and allowing the Lord's word to abide in you? That's how you're going to access the joy of the Lord, regardless of the circumstance. So many people want the joy of the Lord. I just want to be happy. The wrong, saying the wrong thing. Happiness is going to change with happenstance. What we should be saying, I just want to operate in the joy of the Lord. How do I do that? You better be in God's word. You better be relying on God's word and responding to God's word. It's not going to come any other way. We want a quick fix in our life. We we want to to listen to a podcast and then everything change in our life. no. It's it's coming from a discipline of daily devoting yourself to God's Word. And you'll find, man, somehow I have joy. I'm able to smile and sing songs to God, regardless of what my emotions are doing. But if you haven't received the gospel in truth, maybe you've been like King Herod, who was threatened by the gospel and wanted Jesus out of the picture because it imposed on him being on the throne, then I urge you today to surrender your life. Don't wait. Time is short. You've been in control your whole life. Maybe today is the day that you truly receive the gospel and you surrender the control. You get off the throne and you let Jesus take the throne. The good news is simply that God, Jesus in the flesh, came to this earth to save people, us from our sin and its judgment Bible says that he lived a sinless life he went to a cross and took our payment and our place so that we would be spared the eternal wrath of God in the lake of fire he rose from the grave on the third day not only defeating sin on the cross, our sin on the cross, but he rose from the grave and defeated death in the grave. And if you'll turn your life over to him completely today, he will grant you eternal life to live with him forever. And you will have the joy of the Lord as your strength if you, if you rely on it. We're going to have an invitation. If you need to do that this morning, our worship pastor is going to be singing. I encourage you to come. We have people all across this front row all people who could have a conversation with you. If you want to say, you know what, I, I want to truly receive the gospel. I want to give my life over to Christ. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of trying to let this world determine if I'm happy or not. I, I want to have God's joy, regardless of what goes on in my life. And I'm begging you to come down at this, to this altar. Grab somebody. Brother Jeffrey is one of our elders here. We've got a deacon here. We've got other deacons. We've got ladies here. If you, if you need a, a lady, if you're a lady. But don't miss this. This Christmas season, what, a, what, a, what an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do. Again, we thank you for the great gift of your son. Lord, thank you for this this Christmas season that we get to celebrate you. It's not about gifts. It's not about Santa. It's not about decorations. It's not about anything that we've we've said that we haven't made it about. And I pray that this Christmas would be different for all of us. That we would really zero in on what Christmas is and we understand even from seeing this morning that Christmas is joy, your joy that you give to us, that we can have because of the good news. Lord, I pray that we would operate in your joy, and again, if there's somebody here that's never surrendered their life to you, that they'll move during this invitation to this altar. We'll praise you for what you do, Lord. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.